And, um, I like watching movies. Anyone else like watching movies? I particularly have enjoyed the Marvel movies. Any Marvel fans here? Any, um, any DC fans here? No one. No one. I mean, I'm talking about globally. So no, I'm not. Um, Marvel. And so I, I, what I, I enjoy, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but I have. I particularly enjoyed Captain America Civil War. Who remembers that one? That was a beauty. Um, now, for those of the, it's, it's, it's an Avengers franchise, and for those who don't know who the Avengers are, they're a, a group of superhuman men or, or, or demigods and, and, and other gathering of people, or sort of people, that, that have been called together to fight together to defeat terrorists from the world or, or terrorists from outer space. Um, and they usually, in their saving of the world, they generally... Uh, just because of the nature of, of fighting these, these space terrorists, generally cities get destroyed or countries get decimated or a whole range of things to keep happening. But on the whole, humanity survives. That's, that's the beauty of these movies. And if you, it's worth watching if you, have, if you like that type of movie. I reckon it's worth watching. Now, and the problem with the Avengers, well, because they're a group of people that have got together, the problem they have is that the governments of the world, the UN, decides, you know, these guys have too much power, they're unregulated, and so they start to control them. They start to uh, put these accords in place that controls, uh, uh, they need to be accountable to this one body, they need to start doing what they're told to do, and um, you know what, most people don't like to do what they're told. Anyone out there like to do when someone tells you, Andre? <laughs> Andre does it. But, and so that you can understand then the Avengers, this group of people, they, um, they've been told what to do and half of them decide to say, yes, okay, we will agree. I've got all these stairs coming at me from my group of people here. Do I need to address a, a situation, Ali and Joe? Okay, well, Avengers is about kids. Yeah, okay, so, so the message for ki kids might find this interesting, uh, but, uh, but it's certainly an uh, interesting story that comes across in Civil War, which is the topic of my message. So um, should have put a disclaimer on that one, Joe. Um, but that's right. Uh, anyway, so we've got this thing going on, and, uh, and, the, and the government tries to control these groups of people. Some of them like this, some of them don't. All of a sudden, the Avengers are split apart into two groups. And uh, it creates all sorts of relational trouble. It creates all sorts of, of angst and brokenness between these two, uh, between these friends that have been together for a while. And so, as I said before, it's a really good movie worth watching unless you're a kid and then you've got the Disney Channel and that is for you, uh, especially for you. Um, and so, look, I, I know this is a movie. But I, I've been sensing the Lord saying to us and the church that our society in many ways is at the brink of civil war. You know, I'm finding and I'm seeing and I'm reading and I'm watching of, of friends and families that are divided against a whole bunch of issues. Now, we don't need to look very far into our nation today to see a polarization taking place, whether it's politics, climate change, lockdowns, freedoms or rights. We, we, we find ourselves living in a time when, like the, the Avengers, have been forced to take a position and to take a side. And not many of us like being forced into those situations, but it seems that we are. 
and it seems there's an increasing intolerance to those who hold a different opinion to the other side or a different position to us. And in a few short years, it seems to me, and look, it's probably been longer than a few short years, but it does seem to me that we have lost the ability as a nation or as a society to, to respect and love one another the way we should. And so I understand that right now that, that people are on edge. I understand that, that we can be wound tight, we can be frustrated, we can be angry, we can be uncertain, and we may be fearful. And unfortunately, I'm seeing this, this thing more and more that people are fighting against one another. I'm finding, I, I do think that the heart of our nation is at risk. And one of the clear issues that is quickly heating up at the moment <coughs> is the issues of vaccination and health controls. And, the, and this is concerning to me because I, you know what, I've got non-Christian friends who are on both sides of this issue. And, the, and my non-Christian friends are angry at one another, frustrated at one another, and unleashing all sorts of abuse toward one another. And, and I get that for people without faith. I can understand that their only hope is placed in, the, in man's solution. And I can understand why there is so much tension and strife and, and struggle outside the walls of the church. What I don't get, though, is that I, I think in, in some ways that the brink of civil war is also sneaking into the church. I'm not saying this church, our church. I'm just broadly saying within Christendom, there is not just, uh, as I said, not just my non-Christian friends that are starting to, to get ang angsty. Is that a word? Angsty. It is now. Um, with one another. But I'm seeing that happen. I've got Christian friends that are on both sides of any debate. I, I'm not just talking about vaccinations or health control. You could pick anything that I, I know Christians that are opposed to one another in these times. I know families and, and, and I've got friends. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge Facebook person and I, I do sort of a few friends. And the algorithms never work for the friends that I'm actually caring about anyway. But I'm seeing even my, my Christian friends that are uh, over my, my life of ministry and time, I'm seeing a whole range of, of, of things that are coming up. And, and I get it. We're getting squeezed. And I understand the stuff that's coming out of our hearts. <coughs> but I think, uh, I think that's dangerous. I think uh, as Christians, I'm seeing this, there's this tension between one another. People saying things that they, they wish they didn't say or do things that they wish they didn't do. And, and, you know, I really believe that the enemy is at work trying to divide God's church. And I really think we need to firstly acknowledge the fact that the enemy is at work. And secondly, we need to be able to do something about it. Because I think more than ever, more than ever, in our church, in our churches, now is the time for us to, to come together. More than ever is the time for us to unite our hearts and our minds and our prayers and our strength and our vision toward Jesus and to his purpose for us right now in this time. Because our broken world is desperately in need of a voice of hope, a voice of life, uh, a people of joy, a people of peace, a people of strength. And they, yet our, our, our world is looking to our governments, they're looking to our health systems, and they're doing all they can to provide that. Uh, and we're grateful for them, but, but I, I can understand that, that whilst they're doing the best they can, they are, they're only working with the world systems. 
And I really believe that we as the church, we have the, something that, that those around us may not have. We have an anchor in an unshakable kingdom. And that should be the difference between how we, the people of faith, respond and how uh, the, 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 those that are around us that are, that are just looking to man to, to, to solve their problems. We're grateful for what man can do and what medical science can do. We're so grateful for that. But ultimately, we've got to keep putting our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. And so I really believe that right now, God has something to say to his church. And uh, especially on, on how we handle this tension that's created in families in lockdown. I don't know about you, if you've got a family, you know, as Ali mentioned, our, our family is doing well, we're all healthy, but there's times when this, this lockdown just gets a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, and it gets, we, we can sense the underlying tension. And, and I know that if happening for us, it's likely happening for you. It's happening all around, certainly our nation. And so God has something to say to us when we're facing tension, when, we're, when we've got different positions and different opinions. God has something to say. God has got something to say how, the, how we can stand together with something common and fight, uh, fight against a common enemy who's trying to pull us apart. And God has something to show us on how in the midst of whatever it is we're going through that we can find true hope, true, uh, true joy, and true peace. And, so, uh, and how we can lead us, ourselves and lead those around us to find the true peace that's only found in Jesus. And that's what I really believe that God wants me to, to speak into this week and, and likely next week. And I want to practically look, what has God's Word got to say, not, not on the issues, I want to talk about what has God got to say on the relationships that we have toward his people at this very time in Newcastle or Victoria or Queensland or wherever you're watching from today. And so um, I do want to pray because I, uh, the stuff I want, I just want to share some stuff and I need the Holy Spirit to be, do the preaching and me to just to, to, just to do what I've prepared. So, so Lord, I do pray as I, as I share uh, these truths from your word. Lord, I pray that we would find such joy and strength and faith as we consider the, your word that you've spoken to us for right now in, uh, in, our, in our city, in our nation. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we anchor ourselves in your truth with your spirit at work in our hearts, that we can actually find what we need in this space for this time you've called us to be in. Amen. So, that's a long introduction, wasn't it? So, over the last few weeks, I've been uh, at church. I've been digging around into Paul's letters from lockdown, particular, particularly the, the letter he wrote to the church in Philippi. He had Paul. Paul was under house arrest in Rome, uh, likely in Rome. There's a bit of dispute around that, but it's likely in Rome that he wrote this. And uh, his friends were concerned that he was thrown into jail, and he was uh, under a uh, at some stage, he would face the, the court systems and eventually he would be executed. That's, that's coming up later down the track in Paul's life. But now he gets this gift from his friends at Philippi. Uh, and so he writes back to them and says, hey, thank you for the gift that you've given me. And, uh, and he says to them, you know what? It may seem to you that you, you're looking at me and I might be in lockdown. My, it seems that I'm shut down. I can't go anywhere and do anything. But he, Paul goes on to say, but what has happened here is actually proved to advance the gospel. And so Paul's saying, no matter what external circumstances are happening around each one of us, that God can meet us there and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the, the joy of Jesus, the life of Jesus can meet us right now in the midst of lockdown or freedoms 
but ultimately that the gospel would go out. And so uh, then he goes on in Philippians, he talks about to the church how to live as citizens of heaven. In Philippians 1.27, he goes above all, which means above everything else. He goes, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together, not fighting against each other, but fighting together for the faith. What's the faith? I'm not talking about fighting about the little doctrines that, that have us sort of our, our pet doctrines. The, fa- the faith Paul's talking us to fight together for is the good news, the good news of Jesus, the good news of who he is and the life that he has for us. So Paul was facing, so Paul was likely in Rome and while the, he was facing trouble from the church of Rome where he was imprisoned. And it seemed that, um, that his church, his favorite church in Philippi also was having some internal disputes. Apparently, in Philippi, there was a threat to the unity of the church. In fact, there was two threats that were occurring in the church at Philippi. I'll briefly touch on these two verses. Philippians 3, verse 2, Paul says to the Philippian church, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say to you, you must be circumcised to be saved. Well, that's pretty strong language from Paul. And so there's a, a situation going on in the Philippine church where, where people of the law are coming back in and trying to convince them to, to, to externally do what needs to get done to serve God. And, and Paul's saying, you know what, it's got nothing to do with our external uh, situation. And so I, see, I've made that PG, just letting you know, Joe, that was, that was, that was sanitized for our kids. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, that's 2, you know. Uh, and But the other one, in, in chapter 4, verse 2, Paul is, now it's the first time Paul is actually uh, very uh, strong in his uh, dealing with those, uh, those people coming into the church and trying to force them back into the law and force them back into that. But when he comes to dealing with the internal struggles within the church, in 4 verse 2 he says, Now, I appeal to Judea and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. I want you to note a couple of things. Paul does not take sides. We don't know what the disagreement that these two ladies were having. Paul does not take sides with them. Rather, he deals with the heart. Uh, as I said, in, the, in the case of the false teachers, Paul's ruthless in dealing with them. But in these internal disputes, he says to them, you know, the thing that's going to resolve the, the situation here starts with your hearts. He doesn't care about their positions. But what he's concerned about is their relationship with God and their relationship with one another. And I think those two things are really important for us in this season where you may be at tension inside yourself or with someone else on on different situations that we're facing. So as we move into chapter 2, which we're doing this morning, Paul continues to show the church in in Philippi how to live with one another, especially when you've got this tension going on. And as I prayed before, I pray the Holy Spirit will, will speak to each of our hearts and I was, as I was preparing, I felt really challenged because I, I don't know about you, but I find some parts of Scripture are easy to talk, some are harder to walk. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, we can read it. We go, yeah, I get that. It's so easy to say it. It's right on our wall. But when it actually starts to rubber hits the road, I find it can get really challenging. And these are, these are some of these uh, verses that can do that to us. And, but I'm so glad that I don't need to figure this out myself that I've got God's spirit in me and God's power in me to help me to walk how he calls me to walk. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul goes on to say, 
Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in His Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, each, sorry, with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Now, Paul knew something that we can find so easily to forget. There is a big difference between unity and uniformity. I'll say that again. There is a big difference between unity and uniformity. So uniformity tends to be an external agent. It wants people to believe and act the same as everyone else. But there is something better than uniformity. There's something better than the external controls that try to unite us, and that is actual unity that comes from the heart. Unity, true unity, cannot be achieved by external compliance. True unity can only be achieved from the inside. And Paul starts off dealing with this. He, he reminds us all that we all belong to Christ. Now, this is an important uh, starting point as we wrestle with times of, of friction or disagreement. Uh, we all belong. You and I, you and, and the other person all belong to Jesus. We are one family. And, and I know within our natural family, there can be times of tension. Well, that's ours. Not too sure about yours. Um, uh, anyone else's family? Any tension at home? No, not at the Van Wyck household. Nothing in the Nolan household. Um, I, I understand natural families, they can, it can be difficult at times. because We can disagree about stuff. How much time the kids should get on technology, um, which is too much. Uh, we can have disputes. But Paul is saying, you know what, there is a way. Paul actually, and God through Paul, gives us a way to deal with this to remind ourselves we are part of one family, that we have a common goal to, war, to work and walk together toward love and unity. That is our starting point. We are together, to walk together to unity, not to walk toward rivalry and division. I heard someone just this week uh, sharing with me, uh, and they were saying that unity isn't about being in the same place. It's about facing the same direction. And I went, wow, that's pretty profound. And I like that thought because unity is not everyone being the same, in the same spot and the same position or opinion on everything, but it's all of us having the same direction, facing the same direction. And can I encourage you, let's make that direction, Jesus. Let's make that direction how we can live as children of light in a dark and troubled time. Let's make that our goal. Let's make that the, the journey that we all walk together, maybe with different opinions on the way, but walking together toward that common goal. And so, so um, but it all starts with our hearts, and it starts with our approach to one another. Paul's saying to me, is, when I'm facing stuff, is my heart soft? Is it tender? Is it caring? Is it loving? Is it compassionate? Is it considerate? Or is my heart, or is your heart, hard or fixed, unmoving, tough, harsh, bitter, uncaring, unloving, focus more on me than on you. See, but Paul's saying, Paul saying to the church in Philippi and to the church today that, you know, uh, arguing about your disagreements, attacking each other about your opinions or winning the argument, getting your own way, making your point, it's not going to solve the, the internal struggle that you have. It's going to be solved when, when, when you get your hearts right before God and with one another. And then Paul gets a little bit more 
uh, pokey, certainly pokey in my heart as he starts to dig further into our lives. Paul says, he says, don't be selfish. Who likes being told they're selfish? No one. Paul, so Paul's saying it to us. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. This is hard. This is not easy. It's easy, it's easy to talk, not so easy to walk. Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but also take an interest in others too. No one likes to be told they're selfish. No one likes to be told, hey, I think you've got some pride in your life. But these two things, these two things are incredibly destructive to our relationship with one another. It's been that way ever since the beginning of time, even from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, that this, this sense of selfishness and pride was at place. And uh, the antidote to those two things, and Paul tells us what they are, it is humility and it's considering others better than us. In, in, in Paul's letter from lockdown, in chapter 1, he's saying to the church, you know, place Jesus first. In chapter 2, he says, place others next. Jesus first, others next. And it's important to understand, when we talk about humility, uh, what, what does the Bible mean by that? And Paul gives us another definition in Romans chapter 12, which is really helpful. Uh, in Romans 12 verse 3, Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are. Gee, how's that one? It's okay to think that you're okay. It's okay to think that you're, uh, that, that you, to be confident in your strengths and your abilities. But Paul says, you know what? Don't think more of yourself than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith that God has given us. Humility, true humility, understands that everything we have comes from God. Our talents, our intellect, even our salvation, it all has very little to do with us. It is a gift of God to us. It's not about, look how good I am, or how right I am, or how smart or clever I am. It's rather, look how good God is. Look how right He is. Look how clever He is. And to accept that, that accept who He is and everything He's given to us is a gift from Him to us, and to accept that He wants to use us in our talents and abilities and strengths and all the wonderful things God's made you and shaped you to be, God's saying that's for you to let your light shine to those around you. You know, you may be thinking, Mark, I hear what you're saying, but on, on this particular matter or this particular issue, you can choose whatever particular matter or, or issue that really gets you going, because I'm sure it really gets you going, something really, really gets you going. Is that the song? It's half a song. I think it should be a song. You really got me going. Is that the song? Is that a good song? Is that a good song or a bad song? I'm not sure if that's a good song or not. Bad song. Bad song. <laughs> but each one of you, you know the stuff that not only gets you, you know, the stuff that really gets you in a riot. When someone starts to poke you and talk to you, all of a sudden you find yourself defensive or offensive. So you know that stuff. And you say, Mark, on, on those things, I know I'm right. Uh, I, 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 I know I have rights in this matter. I have the right to think what I want and I have the right to do what I want. I have the right to assert my opinion, and I have the right to tell everyone what I think. Well, firstly, well, they are your rights. 
and uh, I don't want to take them away from you at all. I don't want to change. I don't want to change your position. I don't want to shut down your opinion. I don't want you to act and do as I do. But before you exercise your rights, I want to lovingly, hopefully lovingly, direct you to a scripture I always find really, another one that's really challenging, but I find it really gives me a good anchor, a good handle on how I should live in this time. And this will be my last verse for those that are interested. And um, I'm going to read this one from... um, in the message, it's just the next passage out of uh, Philippians. And so Paul says to the church, think of yourselves the way that Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think, it so, didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. You see, Jesus was prepared to lay aside every right that he had as the high king of heaven in order to submit to what the Father asked. Now, we saw this in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, as as Jesus was facing the cross. Jesus was crying out to the Father. He's saying, Father, if there's any other way for this cup of suffering to be taken from me, let it be so. He's saying, God, if there's any other way for mankind to find true peace and hope and joy, if there's any other way, please, that'd be great. You could see Jesus, see, Jesus was very human. And in the garden, he, he wrestled with humanity and he, he wrestled with, with what was going on in himself. He didn't, he ended that by saying, well, not my will, but yours be done. A total surrender to the call of the Father on him. He didn't argue, he didn't fight, he didn't stamp his feet, he didn't get ticked off with humanity that had rejected him. He simply came and he gave all he could for the sake of, of you and for me. He understood what it looked like to live a selfless, obedient life. And it came at a great cost to him. Now, we may never be lay, asked to lay down our lives, but I think there is a great cost that comes when we, call, when we have to lay down our attitudes or our, or our hard-line positions or our, or our judgments or, our, or our, uh, the, the things that we just desperately want to prove for the sake of others. Now, you might find, Mark, that's a really high bar for us. I want to encourage you, don't disregard this. God would never ask us to do something that we're not capable of doing. And as I said before, I do not want you to change your position. I do not want to shut down your opinions or make you act, act and do what I want or anyone else wants you to do. But I do want to encourage you. I do want to challenge you like Paul did to the Philippian church. Hey, let's start with the same attitude as Jesus. Let's process our rights and our opinions through the filter of God's word and God's heart for others 
And the most wonderful thing for me, this is not an intellectual exercise. We actually have God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us, God's power within us, God's heart, God's Word, God's Spirit. I think if we can be a people who understand we've got those things available to us right here, right now, in 2021, I think we will truly find the peace of God that passes all understanding. I really believe that if we can work toward being a people that are spirit-led, Christ-focused, and, and live our lives aligned to God's Word and how He is, he's, he's, he's got the best way for us to live, then I believe that the plans of the enemy, which is to steal, kill, and destroy, the enemy that is at work trying to create civil war within these walls, I believe those plans will come to nothing. And then perhaps by our attitude and our love for one another, the world will see that we are different. That the, the world will know that by our love for one another that we are his disciples. And they will talk to us. They will ask us about the joy and the peace and the hope. That's how you guys are different. In the midst of this chaotic, messed up, turmoil, dark world, why is it you guys have a peace? And you're not getting ramped up. You're not getting aggressive. And ultimately, so you know what? That comes because my, my faith is anchored not in this world. That is shaking. But it's anchored in heaven, where I've got a loving heavenly Father who loves me unconditionally and who's made a way for me to find peace with him through Jesus. And that brings joy. And that brings hope. And a rhetorical question to close. Isn't that our goal? Isn't that our goal to be representatives of his kingdom on earth? For such a time as this. I believe more than ever God needs us. God needs you and me. And scripture is full of this. That had that for us to be together and stand together and hope together and believe together that God is at work and God can do something beautiful and powerful right here, right now. Will you join me in prayer? And then we've got our hopefully you've been texting some prayer requests through, and then Ali's gonna join me. We're gonna we're gonna pray personally for our the prayer needs for our church family so lord god i just thank you for uh for the time i've had to share your word or your heart with our church family and those that are watching from wherever they may be and lord i just pray through your spirit lord that you would uh that this word won't be a word that won't, won't be received with any condemnation but be a, a word of life that can turn our attention away from the, the stuff that is surrounding us and causing us so much tension and pain. Lord, we, we understand the enemy is at work. But Lord, I thank you that the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that we, if we can just possibly dare to believe that if we can be your people walking with your truth and life and your love, that we can actually turn this world upside down the way you've called us to do it. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us when it gets hard. I'll help you, you'll help us when we want to stand up from what we feel is, is, is just so, and it's so important to us. Lord, I pray that we would understand it remains important. Help us to stand up when we need to stand up. But, Lord, help us to keep the attitude toward one another right. Help us to keep our hearts right with one another. May we be, our hearts be tender and compassionate and considerate toward one another. Lord, help us to understand the true unity allows us to be in different places, but requires us to be facing the same direction. And Lord, I, I understand that's a work of your spirit in each one of us. So let's start with me. Start with us and help us to be the people and the church 
that you need us to be in this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.